0: Welcome, everyone, back to our podcast, and I am absolutely thrilled that we have Anita Kapoor joining us. Um, I didn't say this before, but I have to say I'm a little starstruck because I actually watched you in some of the shows that you were hosting. Um, Channel News Asia, right? You were on Channel News Asia, and I'm like, oh, she's so beautiful. So I am thrilled, 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 thrilled to have you here. And um, let me just start. For those of you who might not know Anita, um, most people will know her as an international media personality, travel and lifestyle presenter, MC, writer, who uses her space and her voice to foster awareness. She shot to fame as the clear favorite winner of a discovery travel host search and hasn't looked back since. Apparently... You have an insatiable curiosity and incredible wit. Is that true?
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to say yes, because that's what my bio says. And then hopefully that I I don't have to shoot myself in the foot for having zero wit and no curiosity displayed during this conversation.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. But yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. So let me start by asking you. Um, you know, uh, we had a conversation, right, prior to us having this, having this conversation. And, you know, there's, there's, y- you seem to me to be really interesting, your, your life choices, the work that you chose to do, really exciting. And I'm wondering what's, and this is the, the, the facade, or this is the, what people see on the outside. What's going on for you on the inside? Oh
1: my God, how long do we have?
0: How long do we have? So much is going on on the inside. First
1: of all, thank you just for asking. My pleasure. Yeah. No one has ever actually asked me uh, what actually goes on on the inside because so much of my work has been about sort of being presentable to the world. And of course, it's a, you know, it's a career that I chose. Um, but what's been going on on the inside? It depends on which Time of life we're talking about, you know, different things are going on in my twenties, my thirties, my forties, and now there's this really rich, juicy moment in my
0: fifties. So, which one do you want? <laughs> well, here's what I'd be interested to hear uh, now. Would love to hear what's happening for you now, and what triggered the shift fr- of your focus. From the external focus to this internal, is it focus or journey or exploration? So maybe that trigger, the bridge maybe, and the current.
1: Um, I would say uh, the big trigger was five years ago, uh, you know, my mom passed away. And up until then, I had seen myself through the lens that everybody else saw me through. And in addition to that, you know, a daughter, a caregiver, um, my mother's confidant, her everything, really. I don't think that I actually thought about it enough to realize that it was actually a lot, (laughs) was really a lot in addition to having a career that put me out front and center in front of everyone so in 2017 after my mom passed away I think that was the big moment of actually going into kind of a tailspin and having an identity crisis and not really understanding really who am I now that I don't have to work to make sure that you know my mom's well taken care of who am I now Um, when I can actually not worry when the phone rings um, what's happened to mom you know all of those things started to kind of like fall away and I think when things fall away we're so worried I mean I, I was and I see it in many people what's happening here how do I fill these spaces now and with what you know I I thought about should I move country? Should I go back to where I was born? I was born in India, but I haven't lived there since I was seven years old. So all of these things, um, in addition to sort of really missing my mother, you know, which was such a catalytic thing. And that kind of set me on a further journey to kind of, okay, uh, what's really going on with me? And where can I find some answers? And that led me, of course, down the spiritual route. And of course, uh, the other route, which is to read as much as I can and talk to a lot of people. But it's a really strange thing. Um, There weren't as many people to actually talk to, to get that kind of mirror or reflection back. Um, So that was
0: a, it was an interesting, uh, interesting is not even
1: the word, it was a painful time.
0: I can imagine. You know, what I'm hearing as you speak is um, the identity identity. Absolutely Right? This question of who am I? Now that the circumstances have changed, what a deep, what a deep exploration. And I just want to pause and speak to the those who are listening to this, is asking yourself the same question. You know, who am I at this point? And it happens, you know, with uh, a change in circumstance as you've gone through. Marriage. Um, you know, one of the big ones that I was talking about recently was to a friend of mine who just, that's it, who just got engaged. And I was going, wow, you know, the, the for me, that moment of being called Mrs. Something yeah. was huge. Absolutely. And I would say for me, because
1: that was it for parents. You know, I've already, you know, my dad has already passed away and my mom's now gone. I'm technically an orphan. So who is my, who, and I have my sisters, of course, but who is my, my, my family, my, you know, or rather my ancestors, you know, who are they? Like they're all gone. And how does that define me? And should it define me? And, you know, it was, it was a huge sort of existential crisis as well. And um, I look back at it and I think, yeah, well, you know, that is something that you kind of have to go through. A lot of times I do notice people resisting that. Um, But I like a little adventure, as you know, so (laughs) I went right into it and I needed to find out, you know, so I did meditation retreats and I traveled and everything and I think a lot of it helped, but what really actually helped was being able to understand what my childhood had been, what my adulthood had been, how my life had changed by being the the person I was on the outside and who I was in the privacy of my mother's home, for example, a caregiver, you know, and I had to piece all of these things together because it felt really actually quite fragmented, to be honest. And, and of course, you know, I I still need to, you know, go to work and do my job and all of those things. And a lot of the times I was like, you know, I don't think I want to work anymore. That's it. I'm
0: done. How do you, how do you consolidate? You know, that the, on the external, I need to present a certain image. And on the internal, I'm going through this, this, I, I I don't want to call it a war. I'm going through this adventure.
1: I mean, it's a kind of a war because the war is with yourself and the war is with the things that actually your heart and your soul actually really knows. But the, the war is with the, the external, or if you want to call it your ego or whatever the battle is. And those things are the protective thing. And then to be vulnerable in a time of vulnerability and great loss and grief, you know. So I just took my time, made a lot of mistakes, a lot of missteps, um, people, places, things, all of it. But finally, I came to the understanding that one thing I didn't understand very well about myself was my response, my body's response, my somatic response to things in life that I didn't like, especially. And even my body's response to some of the decisions I had made for my career and my life that really no longer served me. Hmm. I had to become so intimately aware. And it's taken me all this time, these five years. And I would say only up until the last few months where I thought, oh my gosh, actually my body was telling me all along. When it was tired or it was hungry, mm. but it was also telling me when things were not right for me. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's a sum of parts. One is the mental acknowledgement of things, which is the tip of the iceberg because you can talk yourself in and out of anything, anybody can. Then there was the obvious emotional response to things, which is where a lot of us get stuck because. I don't want to feel that emotion or it's too raw or it's too painful. And then there is the, oh, but my body is telling me something that I really need to listen to. And so it's taken me from that all the way through to actually, you know what? My body knows and my body will tell me um, that I'm not healed, that something's bothering me, that I need to do something differently. I'm happy. I'm sad. All of those things which traditionally we see as emotion, but I saw it more somatically through my own body's experience. And when that started to become, oh, I, I recognize this. Oh, oh, that is when everything
0: just started to come together. Wow. So so what would you say? I have so many questions, so I'm just going to pick one at a time. This is so fascinating to me. Um, so what have you resolved? You went on this journey What has settled for you? Wow. Okay.
1: (laughs) That's such a big question because there's so many parts to it. I think what has settled is how I grew up and um, what the emotional stability was and was not, how that has contributed to the decisions I've made for my life. Um, It actually helped me in one sense, to be somebody who could just respond and react to anything, which made me a great host. It made me a really great writer. But it didn't actually do anything for the internal Anita. And so as I went along with that, um, I realized, okay, I've actually been through some stuff. I have wounds. You know, I have trauma. I'm not going to shy away from it. And I think there's one thing I know about myself is that I'll never shy away from these things. Um, I'm I'm ready to go on that internal adventure to find out and I know it's painful and it's, it's really difficult but I'm not afraid to face it so I had that in my corner I'm not saying that being, you know, unafraid makes it any easier not at all but I was willing to go on these journeys to figure out where all of these things from the past sat in the present and also because I did want to leave the TV industry, which I did anyway. And I knew that there were other things that were there for me. But as time has gone on and bring, bringing myself into the present right now as a host, as an MC, you know, as a moderator, all of those things, what it has shown me is how much of the external and the validation and all of those things that came from that, I no longer need. I don't, I don't need it that way. You know, I mean, even the, 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 this podcast and sitting with us, you know, today, I thought about it earlier and I was like, wow, there's two ways to do this, right? There is a, let me give you a perfect answer to every question that you give me. And then there's the, you know what, the, I'm really going to think about this as you ask me, because I want to tell my truth. Oh yeah. I want it to just be uh, a stock.
0: It's just so human. I mean, I'm talking to you now, and you, I mean, obviously, part of my job is to work with people who navigate similar situations, different situations, but it all just, all of these, um, I want to call it imperfections, make us human, right? And I made a note here, um, which is, um, in our coaching school, one of the things we always say, this is true for, for those of you who are listening who are leaders in your field, We coach, we lead, we live. I'll add that in. We live uh, and we become better because of our wounds. Yes, absolutely. I like the
1: word live because so much of the stuff that's out there is more philosophical. And, uh, you know, if you look around social media, it's so easy to find psychological information, trauma information, somatic information, but nobody really tells us, how to do it, how to keep doing it, and why we're doing it, that's living, right? So if I learn a technique or I listen to a podcast or "Mm, I've got to tell you how to do it as well, and a lot of that is actually missing. So we kind of get stuck, and so did I, in the theory of what it is. Okay, so I know I have trauma, so now what do I do? There's nobody to tell me what to do, you know? Ever, ever, ever. So, of course, (laughs) therapy has helped, but a lot of self-work and self-healing. And, you know, people think that there is some big dramatic thing that happens. Quite often, it's you sitting on your carpet crying Mm. and letting all of that stuff come out. Or like with me and my mom, you know, I would look at her photo and have arguments with her because that's the way that I'm going to be able to get through this. And some of it makes me feel small or ashamed. Actually, it it expanded and created so much more space inside of me. Um, you know, I've met people along the way who have like issues with the fact that I'm always talking about stuff like, you know, healing, trauma, that kind of stuff. But they're like, let it go, man. You know, I'm like, no, no. I'm not stuck there. But I acknowledge that the process of healing is not linear. Uh, you go forward, you come back, you take a side look. But what keeps you on the path is the feeling that you know that this is actually good for you. This is good for you against all of the other things, the validations, the fame, all of those things. Which, by the way, I was always a bit half-hearted about. I never sort of really thought, oh, I'm famous. I used to be like, what, really? Which is also false because, you know, if you have something to give the world, Um, Whether that is words or an aura or whatever, I now have come to the point where the healthiest expression of my communication or my aura is me being healthy, actually. Mm. Whatever that's defined as, right? Whatever that's defined as, yeah. Mm. And, And for me, that means taking care of my body, sleeping well, eating well, but it's also reminding myself when I fall down that I haven't really completely failed. I've fallen down. And in the falling down, what what's coming out of this? After I've licked my wounds. And, yeah.
0: Know, yeah. And, yeah. You know, you know, what's really loud for me as I listen to you is, and you, it came to my mind when you talked about, um, uh, the healing is ongoing for you and for people in general. And my sense of you in the stories you've been telling in this conversation is that you're a lean in kind of gal feels like discomfort, no discomfort. Let's just lean in. Let's just get in there. Let's just get in there.
1: Yeah. I realize as I've gone along though, that that's not everyone. That's you know, right. Some, some people sort of half lean in and some people just, oh around the periphery of things. And I used to be so gung-ho about it, like everybody got to lean in, everybody got to lean in. But, you know, we're all very different. I know that, you know, if I was to link all the parts together and to see how they fit, I'm up for that adventure because it's taken me someplace that nothing else has actually taken me. Not that I'm addicted to it, but that it really gives me um, a result, you know, and that works for me. What is the that adventure? Yeah, the internal adventure. Ah, wow. Wanting to, it's not every second of every day. I'm not constantly in a state of trying to heal myself, but when stuff comes up and whether it is me that's caused it or another person that's caused it, I'm ready for like, okay, what is this about? what is this really about? You know, and I do have those early days actually, um, you know, after after my mom passed away and after the travel and going for these retreats and all these things, I have that to thank for gifting me the um, choice of self-inquiry. It's a choice that you make. And so I self-inquire all the time. I mean, I don't, I don't, let's be let's be quite clear I'm not like immediately okay let's not inquire <laughs> usually the very human like what did I do Why is why is it my fault you know it's you it's you and then eventually it's like wait a second it's never just one person or one thing right and also I think the biggest other gift was understanding what are my values what are my because I grew up with a lot of emotional chaos. So values and boundaries were like, no, you can't have them because you're meeting so many other people's needs. But learning now at this point in my life, like, oh, that's what a value is. Do I actually live my value system? And that's one of the things that happened because it was like, wait a second, you're out there doing interviews, talking to people and on screen and the presentation is fabulous, but are you living what you say Exactly. And that, to me, was a very sobering time.
0: Yeah. And you are. See, this is the part that I am so, I feel so privileged because I've known you as the image, right? And now you're generously sharing the underpinnings of what it means to be you. And for me, it resonates because of the work that we do which is where constantly the ontological approach is to explore the underpinnings of what it means to be human, right? For all of us. And if, you know, if ever you get a chance to listen, not if you get a chance, listen <laughs> <laughs> to the other topics. You know, we talk about the shadow that we live with, um, mastery, trust. These are all the complexities of what it means to be human. And I just love that you're such a um, committed practitioner, of your life
1: and what else can we do because uh, you know i spent a lot of time being the helper the helper child you know and so i was committed to everybody else i was very rarely committed to myself so when i got the space and the time i really didn't know how to do it and so all of these practices and all of this was really to kind of become more committed to me put myself first And we say it, and this language is not even enough to describe what it actually means to put yourself first. Because we're always arguing with ourselves about how does that sound, or maybe it sounds selfish. It's got nothing to do with that. It's daring to put yourself first, actually. That that there is some value and worth in you. That there are things that need your attention. Otherwise, you're going to be stretched off
0: into a direction that's going to be harder to come back. From. Right. Or you've convinced yourself that you shouldn't go back on that original path.
1: Yeah, or you've convinced yourself that you're totally fine where you are, but yet all around you, bombs are dropping. And, and it's like, oh, I, I, that's not me. It's not me. I didn't bo- drop the bomb, you know? And I think this is a hard part of self-inquiry because, wow, when we've suffered and everybody suffers, right? And when we've suffered, we want... We want someone to say to us, I get you and I understand your suffering. But then we want it to stop right there. <laughs> we don't want anyone to say to us, okay, but what about you? What, what are you going to do? How is this going to change, develop? How are you, what's your, What is your healing here? Is your healing going to be, I hate everyone and stay away from me? Or is your healing going to be... I can see you and I can see the circumstance, but I see myself and actually I am the one who actually needs to do the work that I need for me.
0: Ah, you know, it brings me to a conversation I had with a a different uh, person, um, Krista, uh, around compassion, you know, real change, right? Real change happens when I'm compassionate towards you. And sometimes it shows up with tough love or gentle love, um, and or compassionate to myself absolutely along with compassion comes tough love they're not
1: separate actually and the tough love that you give yourself is alongside the compassion because otherwise what happens is you get stuck in victim mode or perpetrator mode or you know um i am the one who does everything mode the, the the idea is to mourn. It's to mourn the fact that you, you never gave it to yourself. And now as this adult, because a lot of this stuff comes from our childhood as an adult, what can you give yourself? Because there is a huge part of you now that actually knows what you need. Don't get stuck in the, I'm a martyr and this, you know, I am a victim, everyone else. No, because that's the part actually It's very emotional, right? Because you have to take your time to work out why you feel the way you feel. But the next stage is, okay, how am I going to climb out of this? Because I can choose to stay a victim or a martyr or a perpetrator the rest of my life. And I'm just going to be miserable, but I won't even know it because I'll feel justified.
0: Right. So we're going to bring this to a close. And I just want to, you've said so much. Um, And there's so much richness. Um, I was originally going to ask you, what's that one thing, if there was anything that you would want to leave the listeners with in terms of them getting on the path to personal adventure, internal, what would that one thing be? Wow. (laughs) One only? Come on! One only. One only.
1: Hmm. I'm thinking...
0: I know the one thing is this,
1: whatever I've said, I have said it from a place of being ready to do some of the inner work that I have done. I would say, listen to your body and understand if you are, if your nervous system is actually ready to undertake some of the changes and the, um, offerings that are out there that can help us move forward. And how you know, because it's important to know, is anxiety is a nervous system that is running on empty. And you're not going to have capacity to be able to actually go off and do different kinds of modalities. So take all steps, listen into your body. What is your body saying? If your body is actually saying no, give it some time.
0: Yeah, so I'm hearing
1: listen. Listen, again, is not even enough. It's the, can you listen to the feeling? Because I can listen to, I'm sad. Oh, I feel this, right? But your body operates in such a different way. It's actually an unknown land, to be honest. If I'm feeling super anxious around a person, or a modality, um, it's very different from, I'm a bit afraid to get into this. It's a very different, very different gradient. And anxiety is like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's literally like this. I find myself like, oh, no, 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 no. So you find your own, you find your own way by listening and you'll feel it like this. And when it's like, I want to do it, but I'm a little scared, it's a very different
0: feeling. It's a difference between fear and intuition. Got it. And I I just want to speak to our listeners where the word somatics is new to you. Um, Somatics refers to the study of the body, right? And the body is such a rich territory um, for learning because it's part of you. It when you walk into a room before you open your mouth, your body has already communicated to you and to other people. So we will have uh, a conversation around this in a, in a future podcast. And so I am thrilled for you, Anita. Um, So happy that you could join us and just the richness of this conversation, to be honest with you, I I'm so drawn in by your courage to lean in and your courage to do, to try things out there seems to be so much experimentation and trying and falling down and brushing the dust off and getting up again and the path just keeps keeps on going it sure does and also just having the
1: faith and um to know that i'm i'm totally imperfect i'm i'm okay with it
0: and crying on my carpet is part of the journey absolutely absolutely thank you so so much have an awesome day thank you for being on the show